Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to another episode of the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. I am Callie Picardo, your host for today. And today I have with me Bishop Lisa Wea. Bishop Wea is an amazing leader in the church. She's senior pastor of New Bethlehem Baptist Church and also a bishop in the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship. She is a singer and recording artist. She is an author and a speaker and just an amazing woman of God. She also works with United Theological Seminary as the director of our full gospel house of study and and leading in our doctor of ministry program. So I love getting to know her there. And I'm excited, Bishop Leah, to have you on the podcast to share about your book, Leading with a Left Hand. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited uh, to be on and to share with you and uh, your husband and all of your listeners. Well, I love the name of your book, Leading with a Left Hand. I and myself am right-handed, but one of our three girls is a lefty and I have a number of okay. lefties in my family. And okay. so I, I was immediately drawn to the title, <laughs> Leading with a Left Hand. But tell us, Bishop, we a little bit, where did this book come from? So I am a lefty, but the book isn't necessarily about lefties, but it's about approaching life from a different angle. If you're left-handed, you are born with an orientation to think differently. Uh, You think from the opposite side. And the world is made for right-handed people. (laughs) Only 7% of the world is left-handed. Although some of our greatest thinkers, um, Albert Einstein, um, Beethoven, Mozart, Barack Obama, um, a lot of great people were actually left-handed. And left being left-handed really forces you to think and to strategize to constantly make your context work for you because things aren't necessarily oriented for you. And so the, the concept of the book is that there are some challenges that are going to come in life and we've all faced them. And, 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 you know, when we're in church, we often talk about, and God's going to fix it. God's going to turn it around. And, you know, by the time you get home, everything's going to be okay. But the truth is there are some challenges God is not going to remove. Mm. He's given us certain challenges to force us to think another way, to force Mm. us to think out of the box, um, to force us to rely more heavily on his grace. And so Paul said, you know, he had this thorn and he prayed and prayed and prayed. And God said, I'm not going to remove this. I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to end it. You are going to function with it. And my grace will be sufficient for you. You will be victorious with your left hand. Hmm. I love that. So that's where the book 
um, came from. And so each chapter of the book deals with a different quote unquote lefty challenge. And these are challenges everybody faces. The foreword to the book was written actually by another mentor at United, Dr. Charles Goodman. Dr. Goodman has had ALS for many, many years, diagnosed in college. And once you're diagnosed with ALS, you're not supposed to live very long. Hmm. He has lived with it well over 20 years. Wow. And it has not, you know, progressed or taken him down. He is living with a left hand. Hmm. And so um, the whole forward talks about the whole contextual picture of it. And, and he even talks about how um, he hated playing lefties in sports in school <laughs> because you never knew how a lefty was going to come at yeah. you. you. never knew what they were going to do. And that's the beautiful thing about um, left-handed thinking. You don't have to be right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. I love that. I love Pun that. Intended. <laughs> yes. And so there are seven chapters and um, the first chapter is simply called, oh, you're a lefty. Uh-huh. And it talks about how, you know, we we all have unique things about us, differences or things that we may not, you know, necessarily want people to notice or point out. Um, and so when you're a lefty, as soon as you take up a pen to sign your name or something, people will say, oh, you're a lefty. And I noticed that I often felt like I needed to say something when they say that. Oh, well. Yeah, my dad's a lefty. Like you need to justify it. You need to explain Mm. it. We don't need to justify ourselves. We don't need to explain ourselves. We don't need to feel uncomfortable when someone points out something about us that's different. God made us that way and he made us each for his glory. We are each fearfully and wonderfully made. It's not a mistake if you are born needing to use your left hand. It's not a mistake. It's it's pleasing to God. And so Mm -hmm. there was a judge named Ehud and you never hear anybody preach about Ehud. I guarantee you, you, it it would be very difficult for you to find a sermon on the internet about this judge named Ehud. I've never heard one. Exactly. Ehud was the only left-handed judge. Hmm. Ehud was victorious not in spite of his left hand, but because of his Hmm. left hand. And I'm going to leave that there for your listeners to go read the story. But had he not been left-handed, had he not been left-handed, he would not have been victorious. Hmm. And so God had specifically called him and positioned him for such a time as that. And so that's the first chapter. The second chapter now, I actually start getting into the unique challenges. So one of the challenges that I have dealt with in life, chapter two is called autism mom. Hmm. So there, there isn't a leader alive past, present or future who has not dealt with some kind of personal challenges, some kind of family challenges, and we have to lead through them. Hmm. So many moms are soccer moms, basketball moms, football moms, I was an autism mom and I'm still an autism mom. My middle child, my son, was born with autism and understanding and navigating being not just a mom and a single mom, 
um, because I was a divorced mom, but also that I was entering ministry when he was young. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going back to seminary. I was working full time at that time. I was working full time as an engineer because my background is in civil engineering. I had a lot going on. And to have a child diagnosed with autism, and this was 30 years ago, so we didn't know a lot about it then. It's 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 a prevalent um, diagnosis now, but back then, you know, children were quiet. You didn't really know what was going on. Hmm. So to have had to jump in and jump on that and to just understand that we are all advocates in some kind of way for someone hmm. who cannot advocate for themselves. Um, chapter three, I'm going to go quickly. Um, chapter three is called, she's not supposed to be here. So Mm -hmm. the book isn't written just for women. Um, but I could not as a female leader, write a book about dealing with left-handed challenges, you know, now that I've defined it, you know, as, you know, dealing with some kind of, of, uh, challenge or, or weakness or so forth without addressing the issue of being a female in leadership. So that chapter is called She's Not Supposed to Be Here. And it starts off with me just explaining how I've never tried to justify my calling. I've never tried to justify my gender. I never sit and proof text the Bible with anybody because people who don't believe that women are supposed to be leading and doing ministry, they don't believe it because they don't want to. Um, if you really want to know truth, you will you will seek uh, the contextual understanding of the very scriptures that have been used against us. And you will find that that's not really what yeah. Paul was saying at all. Yeah. Um, and so uh, she's not supposed to be here, really deals with understanding, once again, who you are and making no apologies for it, recognizing that God made you the way you are and that you can be a powerful leader. But the only way to really be powerful is to be you. You can't be powerful as anybody but you. So I love being a woman. I absolutely love it. I don't want to be anything but what I am happy about. (laughs) Oh, then chapter four is called Getting on My Nerves. Chapter four (laughs) talks about um, when I started having some neurological problems mm-hmm. back um, in about 2014 and discovered um, a multiple sclerosis diagnosis. Oh. And it talks about how that actually led me into a very deep journey in self-care and holistic mm-hmm. health um, as I went through different medications and, and, and everything had a problem with it for me. And I ended up saying, you know what, I'm going to really seek God and and see, you know, can my body heal itself? Um, Can I master this um, by taking better care of myself? I wasn't eating well. I wasn't walking properly. I wasn't getting enough sunlight. Um, I was stressed out. And my journey in that was that I'm no longer on any MS meds. And um, I am a very ferocious uh, practitioner of self-care. And so I believe that everybody needs to seek God for themselves on their um, self-care journey. Um, And it doesn't have to be something as extreme as a life-threatening diagnosis that makes you do it. But 
You know, we have to take care of ourselves. We only mm-hmm. have this one vessel to live in. And God can't really use us as fully as he desires when we aren't fully submitted to taking care of this. We talk about stewardship, but we don't look at stewardship in terms of being a good steward of this vessel that he's given us. Chapter five is called Gray Matters. My church is located in Sandtown, Winchester um, in West Baltimore. And uh, 2015, a young man named Freddie Gray Mm -hmm. died in police custody around the corner from my church. Mm-hmm. And the neighborhood around my church exploded um, in a huge uprising. One of the officers involved in his death was a member of my church. And she was actually the leader of our security ministry. I was plunged into community upheaval. I was leader of the community association. Um, I had to bring all of these various, very hurt, very upset parties together, the police, the people, the politicians, the pastors. It was a lot. It was a whole lot. And I saw the the depth of problems and ugliness under the surface of many of our um, underprivileged urban areas. Um, and I really saw why the communities often don't move forward and things often don't get better. Um, the infighting, the jealousy, the scrambling for money and attention. It was just a lot. And so gray matters. Um, I deal with leading through uh, community crisis. Yeah. The, and then there are two more chapters. Chapter six is called the roof is on fire. 2016, mm-hmm. my church caught on fire. It was an electrical fire um, caused by the um, power company's transformer sent a surge into our building. And so um, our built our our building was destroyed from not only the electrical fire, but because the fire department had to chase the fire all through this the roof and, and the ceiling and everything to make sure it, you know, none of the wires were burning anywhere. So what the fire didn't actually do, they did. We had just started a building project because we we had outgrown our facility. We were getting ready to figure out what to do. And so we said, well, God's telling us to renovate what we have. Um, And but we hadn't actually gotten into the project yet. And so being forced into this project by circumstance and, you know, we know that it's all God. the stress of that uh, two and a half year journey of um, gutting the building and redoing everything. Um, and we have a fabulous facility now. We just bless mm-hmm. God for what we have. Yeah. But many don't know the real stress that we went through. And so that chapter is leading through um, internal crisis in your organization. Um, a lot of things we went through, people go through all kinds of internal organizational crises um, you know, because leadership has to become what it needs to be when the organization is in crisis. And a lot of people don't understand that. So I walk through that um, through some sermonic illustrations. And then the last chapter is called Pieces of Me. And this is leading through the crisis of internal burnout, because um, after going through all of that, <laughs> when um 
when the pandemic hit, yes. a lot of people fell apart, but I bought myself a massage chair and put my feet up and I said, wow, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't, I don't have anywhere to go. Everything is shut down. God has really orchestrated this season for us to sit down within our own arc. And I used mm-hmm. a Noah's Ark's uh, series um, in these last two chapters and talked about how Noah was forced to just stay in the ark and deal with what's in the ark so that, and, and all the things that God had put in the ark with him, the world was going to need. When, when the flood was over, you know, when this is over, you know, I realized when we come out of this, the world needs what we as leaders have to offer, which means we must nurture it. We have to take care of it and make sure it's healthy. And God is trusting us, you know, to tend to what's in our arcs. Mm-hmm. And no matter how slimy and smelly and creepy and crawly it is, we've got to deal with it mm-hmm. all you know, in the secret, quiet place so that when we come out, we can really nurture and care for the world. The world needs what we as leaders have to offer. And so um, that was dealing with the crisis just of internal burnout, dealing with ourselves, you know, and I'm, I'm just so grateful um, that he gave me this book. I, I thought the book would have been out years ago and I realized that Every time I got ready to finish it, um, something would happen. And I was like, nope, I got to talk about <laughs> There's this. There's another chapter, another yeah, chapter. Yeah, now I'm already living my next book, um, oh, you know, because things are happening now. But I'm like, you know, I, I think it's so important that uh, as leaders, we don't just lead so everybody can say we're great leaders, but we lead so that we can document what we've learned so that we can help somebody else navigate the waters we've been through. I think too many leaders make everything look like it was easy and like they've always, you know, been able to do what they do the way they did. And nobody knows, you know, the road that it took them to get there. I'm determined to document so that those who come after um, will know how to do this. And I think we have to really be honest with people there are some challenges in life that God is going to make you live with because mm-hmm. it's going to maximize his glory that you did it with that challenge that he did not remove. So, yeah, if you have a left hand, you just have a left hand. Yeah. Uh, and so there are lots of left handed issues and contexts in life, but you can be powerful no matter what. I love this, Bishop Wea, because here and like as you're naming these different challenges, I'm thinking, gosh probably everyone listening can relate to one or more of these. I know there are multiple that I can relate to. And if I'm honest, I spend a lot of my time trying to avoid challenges. I mean, God was just getting on me this past week, Bishop. You know, it's funny, like when you're, when you're like, oh, apparently I need to hear this multiple times, but I feel like everyone around me is trying to get sick. And then I have little kids and God started saying, Callie, stop being afraid of getting sick. Like that is just a part of life. Like you cannot avoid all sickness. You can't be afraid of getting sick. Yes, it's inconvenient, but it also means you have a moment to pause, to be still. And to just, I, for me, I end up with some extra time with my kids because they're not at the sitters. Like in such a, for me, it ends up being some extra family time as well. Of course, I don't want them to be sick, but it's not the end of the world. It's and, not. 
and it builds up your immune system. You're it strong. does. You're yeah. It's good. And I think a lot of people too try to say, well, if I have a challenge, I need to try to mitigate it, minimize it, avoid it, play to my strengths, avoid my weaknesses. But you're saying, gosh, God might want to use those challenges. I might want to use it. He's not going to remove everything. He's just not. So how can we shift our perspective? How can we shift into this place of being more open to see how God might want to use it? Because I think so often we're focused on the negative without Mm -hmm. seeing the God possibility. Well, I think part of it is we... We've, we kind of have a skewed theology um, within the church. We seem to think that once Jesus is in our lives, that life is supposed to be just wonderful. Um, you know, when in fact, look at all Jesus went through. Yeah. You know, look what he endured. You know, the Bible says they offered him the drink that would have numbed the pain. And he wouldn't take it. Hmm. He said, I want to go through all of this so I can experience everything that humanity experiences. When he hung hmm. on that cross, there was no anesthesia. There was there was nothing to, to numb that pain. And we have we have this skewed perspective that pain is bad that we're not supposed to experience it. You know, whenever we have any kind of physical pain, what do we do? We want a painkiller. Mm-hmm. We want to get rid of it because it's a distraction. Yeah. But there are some pains in life that maybe the power is in, wow, you did that while wow, you were going through all of that. Mm-hmm. No, you you really carried that load with that much pain. That is amazing. You know, yeah. Where is the glory for God if you never have a problem? If nothing's ever wrong, of course it's easy to praise him. Of course it's easy to to look great and be happy. But to sit here, you know, looking like, you know, God is so wonderful. and, and, And the truth is your life isn't wonderful. That's where God gets the glory. Um, I'm in a series right now on Job mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we tend to think that the, the meat of the story of Job is why does God let bad things happen to good mm-hmm. people? Maybe it's not. Maybe the meat of the story is, can you still make God look good even when life is bad? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not about why, but it's about what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? God was so confident that Job was going to bring him glory no matter what happened. Yeah. He was that confident that he volunteered him. And and are we that are we that close to God? Are we that strong and deep and solid in our faith and in our walk with him that he has that kind of confidence in us? We don't look at trouble as, wow, God really trusts me like this. Hmm. We don't look at it like that. We look at it like, what did I do? What did I do? And we're sitting there with Job's friends trying to figure out where we messed up so we can fix it and make everything right. Everything's not going to be right. I just got back from Ghana. 
went over there with Compassion International with Full Gospel. Those people were so happy. Mm-hmm. So happy. Mm-hmm. Outhouses, shacks, like eating with their hands, mm-hmm. just as happy as they can be. Yeah. We've been sold a lot of lies in our culture yeah. that you have to have the latest, greatest, most yeah. convenient gadget to make you complete or the the newest this or that when really some of it gets in the way of true joy. It does. I'm so grateful for everything God has done for me. I'm grateful for everything he's given me. You know, I love to wear my red bottoms like any other woman, but Mm -hmm. the truth is nobody would guess how painful it is some days just to get up in the morning. Nobody Mm -hmm. would guess. And I don't, I don't want to look that way. I want to look like, yes, she's doing this by his grace. God has grace for everything. His grace Mm -hmm. is powerful enough to, to keep you through everything. And I'm not saying what I've heard. I'm saying what I absolutely know. And I live every day. Bishop Leah, what would you say to the person that feels like maybe their challenges disqualify them from serving God? Wow. I can't imagine that Jesus died so that we could be disqualified for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think I think to count yourself out because of, you know, your challenges, what you've done, what's happened to you, your lot in life. I think that is to tell Jesus, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, no, thank you. You you did all of that and it, it just wasn't enough for me. It was, mm-hmm. it really was enough. Mm-hmm. It was enough for everybody. And mm-hmm. to, to tell him, no, I'm, you know, I can't. If he thought we were good enough to die for when we know we weren't, then who are we to count ourselves out of anything? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, Bishop Leah, I'm so excited for this book. Where can folks find it? Where can people get a hold of Leading with a Left Hand? At my website, www.lisawea.com, L-I-S-A-W-E-A-H.com. And many are buying it in bulk to use for leadership training. Because one thing that we typically don't do when we're training our leaders Mm -hmm. is train them how to be. We don't train them how to be. We train them how to do. Right. We focus on their functions and and all those things. We don't train them how to be. And we Mm -hmm. don't spend enough time talking to our leaders. You know, how is life going? What are you dealing with? What is going on? You know, helping people to to master this walk as a leader. We don't we don't help them do that. We, We well, what did you do last week? And let me give you a better method for this. And we're always tooling and training in how to do, and we don't spend enough time on who we are. Hmm. Gosh, and it just, as I'm hearing you share, Bishop Lee, it's making me think of like a a spiritual, like a uh, boot camp, or I don't know, like just, yeah. just getting your body, getting your soul in mm-hmm. shape for yeah. what God's got for you. And some of it, the challenges do that refining work of getting us ready for the spiritual battle that we're going to face next because God'll use what we've been through before to get us ready for what's coming ahead. So I'm so thankful 
for you, Bishop Leah, for your ministry and for writing this book. And friends, I I hope you've been blessed by our conversation today. This has been Bishop Leah talking about her book, Leading with a Left Hand. And so if this has been a blessing to you, I pray that you will share it with some, share the podcast with someone else and maybe get a copy of the book to be able to, for yourself first, for someone else who might need it. Bishop Leah, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much to both of you. (laughs) Well, friends, remember, until next time, we are better together. God bless.